Welcome to Refirement Life, the podcast for anyone navigating life transitions or planning to make life transitions to ensure your next years are your best years. Listen in for insightful, generous, and sometimes humorous conversation. It's time to get fired up with Christine Zamuda and Muge Wood, your hosts for this latest episode of Refirement Life. Okay, and welcome to this episode of Refirement Life. This is episode 21, and it's entitled Living Your Truth. I'm very excited today to be here with my co-host, Muge Wood, and a really dear friend of ours, Andre Ruiz Ledenheimer Soler. And Muge and I both had the pleasure of working with Andre at Microsoft, where Andre is still a Microsoft exec focused on partner and business development, alliances, strategy. And uh, Andre has also been a huge, huge ally to inclusion, diversity, and inclusion topics. And so much so that he went to school recently, um, got his master's, and uh, successfully developed and did did a piece of research on a thought-provoking thesis, which is all about the potential of making a bigger impact on inclusion initiatives by looking first within before working and engaging with others. So we're going to talk about that and what it's like to live your truth, what it's like to pursue some of these um, callings that that we have. And I welcome Andre to the show. Thank you very much. Excited to be here. Yeah, yeah. So Andre, like, please, I, I didn't do the intro justice, but please, in your own words, you know, tell people a little bit about yourself. Um, your background and you know what really prompted you to go deeper into these studies of inclusion. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I guess I am rediscovering myself. <laughs> so Aren't we quite, all? Have we hopefully? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's quite hard uh, to describe myself, I guess. But look, um, from an origin standpoint. I, I, I grew up in a, in a family of immigrants uh, in Brazil in the 1970s and 80s. Um, all my family and actually the family of my wife were European immigrants that came to Brazil between 1900s and 1920s, 1930s. Uh, and they end up meeting there, and here we are. <laughs> um, I was from a middle-class family. Um, I grew up in a in in, a, in an interesting neighborhood as well, with people from all over the world. Um, and later, we decided to make this journey again. So looks like we never stop. Uh, so when I was 40, uh, we decided to relocate to Canada. We've been here now for 10 years. Um, I've been married for 23 years, have two kids, grown-ups almost. My son lives in Vancouver with his wife, who is actually in Ukraine right now, visiting her mom. Um, heroic act to do that. Wow. Um, my, my daughter is at university. We have a lovely dog. I, my wife is my inspiration. At work, um, I did all kinds of things. I started my career. Uh, with a job interview that was actually a denial. And then 
five minutes later, they changed their minds. And before I left the building, they gave me the offering. <laughs> okay. We got to learn, learn more about that story. <laughs> and then I, and that's when I got in, into the, into the consulting business. Uh, I tried to become an engineer when I was at school. I had all kinds of dreams, but for, for a destiny thing, it didn't happen. So I, I started my career as a consultant. That's when I got together with people like-minded. And that, that was my first connection with the world of people, really. I've always been this kid that was great at math and physics and all those kinds of things. And then and then I met my, my wife. Uh, I met my son. Uh, we wanted to quiet down. I started looking for a job. It happened that I got a job at Microsoft. Um, it's kind of bizarre to think how how it happened. I never imagined that. Um, then I never imagined I would be 20 years working for the same company, like my uncle was working for Ford Motor Company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that and, doesn't happen very often these days. <laughs> and then you look back, it's like, oh my God, it's been 20 years. And through this, through all of this, um, recently, um, not recently, but maybe now six years ago, I guess with our move to Canada, my wife had to go through a huge transformation in her life that inspired me to pursue the same. And and things just converged. I I, I, I think what I, I remember one conversation I had with a person I know. I met him in the plane. We were returning from Seattle. All of us, I we never planned for that. All of a sudden we are sitting side by side on the plane. And he asks me, what, what's your retirement plan? And my response immediately was, oh, my retirement plan is working until I die. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know, Andre. <laughs> but, is that still your plan? <laughs> well, it, it, it was, that was a very raw feedback that I gave him, right? Uh, I think at the time it was fueled by, look, I need I need I need I need to make a living, right? Uh, so I don't know for how long I will work. But then it evolved. It evolved to what should I do next with my life, and what should I do? What should we do genuinely for other people that are in need? At the same time, how we can make a living of that? Um, so I'm not part from a I'm I'm not part of a wealthy family. So we 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 need to figure out the journey I had. So all of a sudden I started looking for um, more training in psychology. I was actually fed up with training we get into the from the corporation because it's always and never it's always about your immediate role and your immediate job and the things we sell. Uh, and I was like, no, I need I need something radically differently. And um, and then I ended up in a psychology program. Then I needed a thesis. I then it when the conversations on DNI were emerging, so I got I got studying that. Uh, my first my first attempt was to understand why people are so unhappy in the workplace, mm -hmm. because I had to come through this statistic of um, two in three people are always disengaged. Um, uh, depressed, um, mm -hmm. not energized, 
And I was always intrigued by that that statistic. How come, right? How come that we do these things on a 40, 50 hours a week and we spend most of our awake awake time <laughs> not engaged, frustrated, uh, fed up? It's like it, it was shocking to me. Um, yeah. And were there just too many reasons for why people were unhappy at work? So you abandoned that thesis? <laughs> uh, yeah. And long story short, I and then ironically, we all my wife and I, we also we started practicing many years ago. We started practicing Pilates mm-hmm. because we found my wife started practicing it for a different reason. And then she brought me into it. It was fun because in these groups, I I was all I was all, all always the only male figure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I and, think Pilates uh, is still like one of the best kept secrets from men. I, I I go. I've got a couple guys occasionally that I'll show up, and it is such a great um, way to connect your mind and body and really yeah. efficient exercise as well. Totally. It's uh, it's actually well, it's a contemplative practice in a way, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It was created by a person in in prison. If you know the story, he was mm. I forgot his name. Uh, I don't I don't recall honestly. Oh, Pilates. Pilates was his surname. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. It's, if I recall, and I'm not telling a lie here, he was in a prison, or he had some, and he had to he had to come up with. It's a person who had to come up with a way of exercising in a very tightened spaces. We can check this fact if it's fake yeah. news or not. <laughs> yeah, it'd be interesting to know. But yeah, and um, so because of that, when we came to Canada, we started to look into how to continue practicing Pilates. Our Pilates teacher then in the community center at one point in time, on a Christmas day, she took us to a yoga studio. And she was like, well, did you ever did did uh, you ever do yoga? And there is a very good studio around here. And on Sunday, on on certain days of the week, they have a community. Anyway, long story short, here we are there on Christmas Day because we were alone. We had nothing to do. And we, we yeah. were sad. We were away from the family. Our first or second Christmas here. There we go to to the yoga studio. And then all of a sudden our spiritual practice has started to evolve as well. So like my my wife is now chasing her 500 hour certification. And anyway, it, then you go back to the mundane world with the things that we want more, right? Mm-hmm. But but we, we got into the yoga piece, then we got into meditation. And then at school, at Harvard, I had, uh, I saw this course on mindfulness and resilience. And it was taught by one of their chaplains at the Harvard Divinity School and a former monk from Sri Lanka, Tajay. They are good friends now. And um, so I went to think, well, my wife saw the, the syllables. It's like, why don't you go do this? Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, I have nothing to lose. So I did that. Then I did the second one on compassion. And then all of a sudden, everything became so clear to me on how working with yourself is the first step to better connect with other people and i i ended up realizing through my thesis process that what is what is kind of missing i believe in this firmly uh, so much so that 
I got my thesis was awarded by the school. Um, but it's kind of um, I firmly believe that that's the piece missing. So when I started talking to Christine and Mugi, you know this, we started working with several of our executives. I started to having this uh, offline conversations with people and people started telling me the real deal. Right. This is what I feel. This is how I see this. This is and it, I, it was shocking. But every feedback that I was taking from people matched really what I saw my own experiences were, the experiences of close family members I had, and then what actually science and spirituality have to say about it. And, and, and that's when I decided to, to focus part of my, my spare time on helping other people to connect with themselves to connect better with others. And when you look back into how do we drive or organizations focus on diversity and inclusion, I don't know, it's my, there is nothing of that mm -hmm. really. Um, and yeah, and it became a passion. Yeah. And then, and then the last piece of my story, and I'm talking too much, I guess, but I finished then, when I finished my graduation, there was always this question of what is next? <laughs> which is a huge problem in human life, right? Um, and also we are never happy with what we have as is. So it's always what's next in our minds. Yes, right. That's that's the great segue for the next part of our conversation, perhaps. But when this conversation of what next happens, like my, my original plan when I started my master's was to have a degree that is recognized in North America because then that I knew would open me certain doors. And if I wanted to become a teacher in the future, I still think about that. Um, although I have no clue how to become a teacher, <laughs> but I still think about that. But then, but then things evolved into a certain ways that we, my wife and I looked at ourselves and it's like, well, it looks like we are getting closer to some degree of a healing practice. Because at the same time I was trying to, and I'm still trying to find companies that are interested in, in trying my work and trying the, the things I put together. But it's very hard in this space. It's very finding people that, you know, you want to drive change by doing the same thing. So find finding people who really are thinking out of the box and that really are trying to try something new to see if they get a different outcome. It's a very difficult thing. Right, so. right. Well, I, I remember when you know, we were working together and you were leading a lot of the inclusion efforts. And one of the fundamental questions we always had was, how do we get people who don't naturally sign up for mm. these experiences to be engaged, to learn more? It's always the same people, right, who are, are showing up to those events. So in your research, and I think, you, you know, as I looked at what your thesis highlight, highlighted, you did measure impact with um, a different approach. Mm -hmm. And I, from what I'm seeing out in industry publications, Harvard Business Review, right now, people are talking much, much more about compassionate leadership, much, much more about how we change and lead in a different way. So I, I think your timing could be really interesting and i i'd like to know more about you know what kind of things surprised you in the research and yeah what advice do you have for for folks who do want to dive in deeper 
Yeah, the the well, the thing that surprised me the most is that um, there was really a, a correlation between. I wasn't when I started it. I wasn't expecting anything. I had a hint from some publications uh, that that I could find something that I was trying to find. Um, and, and 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 the principles are are very basic. It's like look, you you have you go through a everybody goes through ups and downs in life, and you have the things that hit you very hard. Uh, some people will call these like adversity. And th that's the first thing that that is counterintuitive on this work, which is people tend to in the real in the world out there, people tend to talk about adversity in absolute terms. So that means, well, my adversity is is, is more important than yours, right? Mm -hmm. Or my adversity is bigger than yours. I suffer more than you. Having cancer is more is is it better or then worse than losing a son or a relative? And, and, and the realization is these these things cannot be discussed in absolute terms. They are relative. Because from the individual standpoint, their reality is what matters most. So when you take this to when you take this to questions of racism uh, or sexism or whatever ism that you put there. It's very complicated because we got to this complicated state of the world by alienating people and excluding them. So, of course, their pain cannot be ignored. But now when you're trying to create dialogue again, you cannot start if you're not starting acknowledging that everyone's reality is important. It's, it's a very pivotal point. Uh, and that's why it's so complicated to drive this conversation further, because when people realize this, oh, but no, I, I can't do this, right? It's like, I, I, can't, I can't say that what certain groups have gone through is relative to others because they suffered so much. And then you get into a, a very polemic conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that's the pivotal thing from the research. But then if you use that power, um, you certainly will relate better with other people because you know where, where other people are are coming from, uh, mm -hmm. and um, and it's, it's so it's not about comparing experiences; it's about sharing experiences, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and starting from each individual where they are, meeting them where they are. And I heard a lot of this. I would talk to people, and people would say, "Yeah, that person said this, but I also I also went through this, right?" I don't agree with that, and I don't. Like, so it's it's you can't. It's unfortunately that I, I had a teacher at school as well. She did work uh, with bringing together former families of Nazi of Nazi officers in Germany mm. with uh, former uh, with uh, um, with current. Uh, how do I call that in English? Oh my God! With with people. With, with family members from former uh, Jewish Holocaust concentration centers. camps. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And it's beautiful work that, that, that happens on, 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 on that healing. And the, the healing process goes on both ways, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But until, and that is a, is a, is a, is a, is a shared experience of, of suffering that happened in different levels, right? And 
and all of a sudden you have this release of of energy and understanding and it, the sessions were recorded. She showed us the recordings and what people said at the beginning, what people said at the end. So like going through and revisiting this. So basic. So basically, this was the uh, the the basic mechanism that I was trying to test. Right. There were there were studies about adversity, engendering compassion in other in, in people. This is not science is funny because it puts this on a paper with numbers, but. You, you know, everybody knows this. You all, we all know somebody or ourselves when you went through something and all of a sudden an association or an NGO spins up to help other people in the same situation, right? It's the same effect. So I was like, wow, how, how instead, instead of waiting for a disaster to happen, so then I will help other people, how you can nurture that, that response in, in any human being? Um, and that's that's the finding. The finding was that people who had any sort of practice that connected them uh, better with themselves were 18 times. It's not 18. It's one eight. They were 18 times more likely to be engaged in conversations of uh, equity, inclusion and diversity. That's um, awesome. Yeah, it is. It is. A, I, I think it's such a uh, deep and multi-layered topic that keeps evolving as we understand ourselves and understanding ourselves on a path of continuous discovery is hard. Uh, it requires a lot of work, a lot of discipline. Um, so what I'm wondering is, I mean, ultimately, uh, we are all united on the basis of human condition, right? We are all humans. We all experience different levels of joy, suffering throughout the stages of life. So when you look at it that way. And I think when we travel, we see that as well. You know, people may dress differently, eat differently, listen to different music, but we are also, we also have lots of things in common. But then uh, in our nature, I think we also advocate for ourselves, right? It's the basic instinct of our survival, which is then the divergence comes into play. So um, I'm wondering um, not only how we can open ourselves up to discovery, but also how can we sustain this so that it turns into a practice and where I am coming from is um, compassionate leadership, diversity and inclusion, things where you may not be able to uh, assign ROI on sometimes, um, you know, kind of goes out the door when the times mm -hmm. get tough, economy gets difficult. Um, it, you know, we tend to go more heads down into the numbers. So, you know, how do we how do we sustain this uh, practice that we all probably know in the long run is the right thing to do? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, we could talk about another 10 hours about that. I actually <laughs> I actually sometimes entertained if I should write a book about it. Um, I'm, I'm discussing with my my advisor at school if we will we'll write an article or because it's it's just um, there's so much there to be explored. Right. Um, it's funny, some people, when, when you talk about compassion, I lost a job opportunity because of that. Uh, because when I responded to a person that I was, my, my leadership style was to be compassionate, like compassionate leadership, that was interpreted as a sign of weakness. Mm -hmm. And I knew that, I knew the trap because I had written a paper six months before about that exactly same topic. But on the topic of leading to your truths, <laughs> I like I don't care. I lose a job, but I am still a compassionate leader, right? 
And that person was like, well, I'm not sure you can actually run this business and we have metrics and scorecards. And it's like, what does compassion have to do with anything of that? Uh, at the same time, for all these people that think or all people that think that compassion is something for it's, it's something that is too mellow. It's very hard to be compassionate. It's very hard to tend to other people when they are actually suffering. Right. Mm -hmm. And to be with them. Uh, just be with them in that moment. So, yeah, it's it's uh, always easier not to be courageous in those and and, and avoid ignore right. and redirect in, in, mm -hmm. instead of yes, that's that's very true. Yeah, yeah, you try to you try you cross the you cross the street to the other side, or you it's 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 a it's a difficult position to be. Now I get this question a lot. I recently I I, I recently. Um, uh, the last opportunity that I found to contribute was to join the International Association of Microsoft Channel Partners because they were looking for people for their DNI board. Uh, so I joined their board and we had an event in May that I attended. And it was such a great experience to be there because to your point earlier, Christine, on you know, if you invite people to talk about DNI, it's always the same individuals that likely will show up. This this forum that I was I was at was like a captive audience with people that mm -hmm. didn't have much of a choice, right? Right, right. And it was so great to see that the responses were the same. Uh, the stories that I hear from people in the background are like really uh, unbelievable. Uh, now, to your point, Mugi, how do you do that? I get this question all the time. Well, but I don't like I don't like to meditate or I don't like to do this or. Well, the, the reality is there is. There is a there is a tree. It's called the tree of contemplative practice, which contains it's it's part of the. Um, I think it's called contemplative we can send the link together later with the video. Yeah, we can include that in the notes. Yeah, but there are so many ways you can do this. Um, you can do this by getting in touch with nature. You can do this by doing all kinds of uh, sports that connect you with your body. You can do this through the, the research that I did was to guide people through a very short um, reflection and to reconnect there with their own memories because everybody mm -hmm. has has memories around inclusion very likely it doesn't mm -hmm. it doesn't matter where you're coming from it, you you will have something hidden there that is it's it's what you need to flourish so my response is is usually it takes time so there's sometimes people don't like it because it's not immediate there is no in the world today, like, oh, give me the silver bullet, then all of a sudden the world is going to be more inclusive. Well, the world has never been. <laughs> mm -hmm. If you look for from certain angles, from other angles, lots of things have improved. So it's 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 kind of a, a journey, right? And yeah. yeah.
for sure. I, I think the point you made, Andre, about it being a journey is so important because uh, I think it is also our mindset about it. It's easy to be really upset and negative about how much uh, hasn't changed uh, and be discouraged, but also so much still is improving and be optimistic about it. So as we um, uh, get close to our time, and as you said, we could be talking about this for a long, long time, and I really hope that you continue your studies, publish a book, and your blogs because they are very impactful. Um, you made a point in our earlier conversation off the recording, before the recording, that, um, you know, there are stages of life. And I think mm -hmm. we're all going through stages of life and self-discovery. That's why I think it's so important um, as we go through stages of life. Um, maybe um, we can leave our um, uh, subscribers with a perspective on um, how to think through stages of life and, and thrive and get refired up, um, maybe through self-discovery and other uh, ways by which we can look at ourselves. What are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I'll, I'll try to be brief. <laughs> okay, no problem. I was preparing last night and all of a sudden I remember that Carl Jung has had this analogy of life being like the sun that travels through the sky, right? So when the sun and Carl Jung was very influenced by Eastern philosophy and, and Indian thoughts. So it's almost as if when the sun is, when it's night, it's your unconscious or your primordial energy. So every, when the sun uh, rises in the horizon, it's the transition in our life from unconsciousness to consciousness. And then we become kids and then adult life or the early stages of adult life are about your ego and how do you navigate the world and you need to acquire things and you need to, get stuff and all of that but as then as you reach the pinnacle in the sky uh, around your 40s and your 50s you you start realizing that oh my god the horizon is coming again <laughs> <laughs> the sunset of life is coming again and and people would say what whatever everything that i found people would say that carl jung was one of the first individuals very likely the first individuals in this last couple of centuries to recognize the midlife crisis, which is when you realize that, oh my God, there is a cycle. What have I here. done with my life? <laughs> yes. And I like to actually call it the midlife chrysalis. Yes, All right. Yes. That's a good one. It could be a rebirth. Uh, and, it is. Uh, it's actually, yep. if you look at them, it, it is actually every, every, every transition from one stage to another it's a rebirth in if you follow that and if you if you are lucky enough to be able to experience it it's mm -hmm. actually really a rebirth into a different stage right mm -hmm. but i think the importance of recognizing this is also not only it's it's the mental health aspect of it because it's very hard um mm -hmm. i'm going through that myself as we speak uh mm -hmm. And it hasn't been easy these last six months. And I think we have to talk about that openly. Um, traditional societies always knew this, right? Uh, they didn't need Carl Jung or science or anything of that. It seems like our humanity has forgotten all this ancient wisdom and it's put down because it's not considered to be scientific. Yet it was the lived experience. You grew up in, in, a, in a village or in a specific group. And as you evolved through life, you had natural roles 
to play the role of and then as you got older you had the role of the of the of the wise of you know holding the culture and telling kids the stories and keeping that culture alive and you know and you, you had a role to play in which society the way it's organized today it doesn't have right mm-hmm. so it's it's a big question for everybody how how do i navigate the next half of my life and and there is this quote that from it's from Carl Jung and he and 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 that's why at the same time we have to figure out a way of embracing it i was talking to a friend yesterday and he was like oh my god andre i i just went through this same experience a few years ago uh, so what what jung says is this the afternoon of human life must also have a significance of its own and cannot be merely a pitiful appendage to life's morning wow <laughs> it's that's, instead, that, that's profound it's, yes profound but it's also very encouraging right that means um every chapter of your life can be incredible and uh, you don't have to go into this uh, slow burn of uh, extinction and say the best is behind you and uh, that's all you could do good luck and goodbye right <laughs> Yes, that's right. <laughs> yes, it's I and that's I think so. I I really encourage people who are watching us. Look, don't if you feel if you feel something, it's real. Don't don't try not to deny it. Mm-hmm. My last piece is where we like. I'm now training as a psychotherapist, which was my next step. <laughs> I hope it's the last one into opening the door to this new phase of my life, but. Um, I, I I cannot imagine how I would be doing right now if I was not in the psychotherapist program and if I was not doing psychotherapy right now because it would be very daunting. It's very lonely. Um, and I'm not saying that everybody needs to go through a psychotherapist training program. Neither, right. neither that you need a therapist, but you need to make sure that you have some sort of, some degree of support, whatever support means to you but lastly Mugi, as you said you better deal with it now than when it's too late right life right. will be more fulfilling like that right right yeah. yeah and again starting with with yourself i mean you've mentioned contemplative practices like meditation uh going out travel it, it travels also another great teacher right Mugi, you mentioned that um i think for myself, when I travel, I had a unique experience traveling uh, 12 countries with two individuals always at my side, an Asian man and an Indian man. Three of us went everywhere and got to see actually um, the reaction of the three of us in a new different way that I wouldn't have experienced in the U.S. And, and that was a great teacher um, and and actually sort of like landed the power of diversity with me in a way I, I couldn't otherwise experience. So as we're thinking about, you know, contemplative activities and um, keeping keeping your head above water, are, are there some some are there some is there some advice for like basic beginner contemplative, maybe advanced? Or, or medium and then advanced, Andre, that you could give well, the audience. 
I think the basic, the basic, the every individual likes to do certain things and do different things. The basic, the basic advice I give is for people to start finding a little bit of time for them. Uh, and it's, it's very difficult to do. It's not easy. So I don't want to pretend that it's easy. But I guess it starts there. Like, what is it that you like? What could you mm -hmm. connect better with other individuals? How can you connect better? If you have a family, how do you connect better with your family? How do you have more quality time with yourself? Right. One of the things I got rid of, I don't watch much TV uh, because I traded that time to do other things, right? Mm -hmm. um, it, it, but it's usually trying to get yourself away from things that are too numbing and it's actually you're just getting distracted, but there is not actual. I love watching tennis on TV, tennis matches. So yesterday night it was I was watching this the Cincinnati Open, South and yeah. West or mm -hmm. West and South tournament, mm -hmm. and I put it on the TV and it was so. I said no 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 stop stop stop. You already had enough tennis. Like this is not gonna change your life. <laughs> <laughs> everything in moderation well go to sleep yeah 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 so you have to to manage that but the, finding something that you really connect with other people and yourself whatever that is it's really to me the and don't be and and face it face it up front um it's yeah. I think we, we in, in, in it, it's very it's, it, it, when you look at what people say publicly or what, what is available social, everybody talks about the perks. Um, but, but of course, the perks comes with work and work is is um, it, I mean, I'm saying all of this because I don't want to people are seeing me here and we are having this chat and things look so bright and it's. I'm so glad of my journey, but at the same time, don't don't get confused. I have my sleepless nights. <laughs> mm -hmm. Of course, of course. And, and all that comes with it. Right, yeah. right. And the other key message I think that came out in the conversation is, is listen to your calling. Like if, if you have, if something keeps appearing for you and, and you feel pulled to it and you, and you can make a positive difference in the world if you follow it, like just start, just start doing. It's a great point. Some people, I, I get this asked a lot. Maybe it's a great segue. It's a great closing maybe, but I get this asked a lot. Wow, you did your graduate studies and what you're going to do with that right now? And now, no, but you just did that and you're now on psychotherapy and like you don't know what you need or you don't know what you want to do. Well, actually, some days, yes, I don't know what I want to do, but but I think our philosophy here at home is like, look, if we helped one people, one person, we already accomplished our mission, right? So from that lens, I think I already did. <laughs> Absolutely. But Absolutely. and now we are just just exploring. We are getting. I mean, we because my wife is on this journey with me, so that makes it easier. Um, but we are exploring. And we are taking it day by day and seeing what what opens up. So I, I kind of don't have, you know, that there, there is this in if you read, it's it's a great essay. It's a short essay. It's called The Stages of Life from Carl Jung. It was published in 1931. You will find it online at archive.org. Anyway, mm -hmm. 
it's a great read because it's you know as as you shift through it's it's almost it's much more of a the nature of being human it's embracing a, a path as you get older that is much more spiritual and it's much less egotistical right so i've mm-hmm. Sometimes we hope. I'm like, well, we I'm hope. doing all of this. We, we do hope. <laughs> we, we hope because sometimes you don't see that and, and you wonder, wow, you know, this particular individual has not really um, yet um, taken away life's uh, teachings and uh, we are operating at the kindergarten level hoarding our <laughs> toys. So, um, yes. <laughs> so kind of like I, I'm sometimes I'm like, look, do I need a business plan? Maybe I don't want to have one. Right. Because because it's like I've never been an entrepreneur, so how do I, so we are kind of like trying to get deeper into this, find ways to apply it, and um, and see what life is going to bring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, open and dynamic, and have yes. fun. <laughs> To the extent you can, easier said than done, right? Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's always uh, okay. with anything easier to talk about than to it. But taking that first step with awareness and openness, um, hopefully it helps all of us because we all need the help. We really do. In closing, any parting comments? And I know this is such a big, rich topic. Um, so anything else that you want to um, you want us to uh, close with? Christine, Andre. I don't know. Um, I'm afraid of opening another Pandora box. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. Because that may have to be another episode. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, we, we have lots to talk about for sure. And it could be another another hour. I, I just so appreciate, Andre, you spending time with us. And um, from the first time I met you, you uh, made a huge impression on me and I've had the opportunity just to see you continue to service others, be a great shining example of how to live your life in a positive way. And I just thank you for sharing your story with all of our listeners. No, it's fantastic to to be with you uh, here. I wish we could do this all day long. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, we just um, we just may. And I, I want to say one thing, Andre, you have been my manager uh, in the past during my career at Microsoft and uh, living your truth could be rewarding for you for sure. But it's also very rewarding for those uh, who are with you um, because that act of being genuine um, goes a long way with or without signs. So um, thank you for that. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate the <laughs> feedback. Thank you. Yeah. All right. So with that, we will sign off. Everyone have a great rest of your day, wherever you are. Yes. Till the next time. (laughs) Thank you for listening. Our hope is to spark a little joy, inspire, and educate our listeners in ways to live an even more meaningful life. If you have reactions to share from what you've heard, please visit our website, refirement.life, to leave a voice message. You may even be featured in a future episode. To keep in touch, subscribe to our podcast, Refirement Life, using the podcast player of your choice. Always remember, you are never too old to set a new goal or to dream a new dream. Thanks again for joining us on this episode. Until next time.